Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping season three, episode 21. Here comes the sun. <laughs> Here comes the sun. The Netflix bio is Just travels across the country for a visit. Rory helps Emily choose an outfit for Rory's graduation, resulting in conflict with Lorelai. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's get into it. (laughs) Before we get into things, don't forget our sticker contest. It's just going through the end of season three, so get into it while you can. To enter the giveaway, all you have to do is write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, send us a screenshot to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you a sticker. And you can still find us and support us on Patreon, where you will get our episodes ad-free as well. So that's a fun little perk. And we're also collecting your thoughts on Season 3 to be featured in a little uh, episode after our regular season wrap-up. So if you have any hot takes or anything you want to just talk more about or any opinions you want to express about season three questions yeah questions uh you can send those to us either on uh, email or instagram and you can either send them text or voice memos and we'll also send you a sticker if you would like one in return yeah looking forward to that yeah <laughs> i should mention we'll be collecting those until about uh, the 26th of June, so you got a few weeks. Mm-hmm. To make the perfect voice memo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rehearse it. <laughs> okay, just kidding. But... No pressure. <laughs> Low stakes. All right. So, we talked a bit about our opinions of this episode last week, but here we finally watched it. What are your... What's your kind of take on the episode? How did you like it? I still like the California stuff. Watching it and like taking notes and everything, I I don't like the format of like the split, like such an extreme split of uh, events mm. and everything because nothing, like very little happened in this episode. <laughs> and because yeah, it was really everything like was, one day. Yeah, everything was like so split up that it was just like pretty not not very eventful I don't know if this will be our longest episode or not but I still liked it I really liked the cast mm-hmm. of characters in the California stuff and I kind of wish that that had that show had happened I don't know if I would like it as much as Gilmore Girls but it had some right. promise I think <laughs> what did you think you know at the end of last episode I said some like disparaging <laughs> comments about this episode and I'm willing to admit when I am wrong (laughs) and I've done like a complete 180 I really liked this episode and I think maybe I just remembered it wrong like I think I remember it being all in California Mm -hmm. which ironically enough like I almost think that could have been one way to sort of fix the back and Mm -hmm. forthness of it but I don't know overall I just I valued it a lot and I agree that it's not quite eventful I think it's much more like character driven relationship driven and that is also interesting Mm -hmm. in and of itself especially as the second to last you know of the 
series. Mm-hmm. I mean, the season. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it a lot. Yay. <laughs> I have things to say. Although, you know, again, not as much to say about a couple episodes ago, just because not much happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i glad you have things to say, because that is at the heart of a podcast. <laughs> Should we start with our talking fest? Let's. Okay. I probably just jinxed myself by saying that not much happens, and now I'll flounder. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I don't have any words of encouragement. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. On your mark, get set. Sorry, my timer was set to five minutes, not 30 seconds. All right, go. So we start off in uh, Star's Hollow where Rory is cramming for her finals and everything, and she's really busy and kind of freaking out. We also get Luke's announcement that Jess is gone, and then we hop over to dress where he's in California trying to meet up with his dad and that happens and they have a little bit of a like argument type thing but also just kind of get to know each other's motives a bit more and then back in at Chilton uh Lorelai and Emily fight again and Miss Selena's there uh that was that was all over the place I that okay (laughs) your turn (laughs) it's all good it's all good (laughs) okay yeah I'm ready okay ready Set, go. Rory has finals. She is stressed out. They also hear back from Yale about the financial aid. Lorelai doesn't tell her about that, that they won't get money. Lorelai also doesn't tell her that Jess is gone, like Luke told her. And there's, you know, stuff going on at Chilton. Lorelai is there with Paris. They have a nice thing. Uh, then Emily, drama. Lorelai says she's done with them. Rory's mad too. Meanwhile, in California, Jess meets Sasha and Lily and Jimmy. Him and Jimmy have a talk, and he's going to stay with them for a while, probably. Um, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> cool. All right, so... As we slow down, we plan to tackle this episode with the Star's Hollow plotline first, and then we're going to spend probably the majority of the episode, or maybe half of it, I don't know, on the California storyline. But we have a couple scenes first that contain, you know, both plots before they diverge. So that is our game plan for the episode. And we open with a cold open at Weston's, which is just like, what the heck? Yeah. This is not Luke's or a Friday night dinner. I, I felt totally <laughs> thrown off. <laughs> I think it must have been so that they could have like a reason to bring, like to make the Jess is gone announcement more impactful. Because if they'd been at Luke's, then mm. it would have been kind of obvious, but it was yeah. weird. <laughs> or were they still avoiding it like they were last episode? Oh, yeah, true. They had some nice looking pie, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But Roy's not really paying attention to her pie because she's really stressed about finals as well as like all of these events and responsibilities she has at the end of the school year. And I just found that like totally unrelatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I remember the end of senior year was like the most relaxed I'd ever been, you know, and I am pretty sure that we did not have finals and that we got out earlier than the rest of the school. Yeah. I don't really get why she's having finals at all. Yeah, I I think the same thing happened for me. Like, if we had a final test, it was like a couple weeks before the end because they had to have everything graded and make sure that we were going to pass our class <laughs> to graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 
I guess maybe prep schools are different. Maybe so, but either way, she is stressed, Mm -hmm. so this will be relevant throughout the episode. Uh, But meanwhile, Lorelai is looking forward to the summer once Rory is done, and she's looking through all of these different phrase books because, reminder, they are going backpacking to Emmeline Richards' dismay. (laughs) (laughs) And she's, of course, looking up phrases related to flirting with different actors that she (laughs) hopes to run into, of course. (laughs) I think it's so funny to, like, be going to a country where... a favorite actor lives and think that you'll run into them where like we live in the u.s where there are hundreds of famous actors and we don't run into them on a daily basis <laughs> maybe if we lived in la yeah that's true <laughs> but yeah i don't run into them in the cornfields yeah i have <laughs> run into a few actors in different circumstances but it wasn't necessarily day-to-day kind of events so mm-hmm Right. We also get uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> we also get a visit from Lane who has a brochure for her college which is a Seventh-day Adventist college. I totally meant when I was watching this to look up more about the Seventh-day Adventist religion because I've just been watching the Shiny Happy People documentary about the Duggars and like fundamental that's on my list yeah, it's, yeah. oh gosh terrifying um so i was I just like watched a documentary about army hammer but oh gosh <laughs> terrifying as well mm-hmm. <laughs> but i was like trying to i wanted to kind of learn a bit more about it but i'll probably do that for another episode she comes in and she is acting all optimistic like she's a almost excited <laughs> the this college has two uh garden areas or like outdoor areas one for girls and one for boys uh which Lorelai latches on to and mentions kind of in a astounded voice and Lane breaks down she can't remain optimistic anymore after that she just <laughs> says my life is over and I if she did end up going to this place I would probably kind of agree that would be torture <laughs> Yeah, I felt bad for her. And it was nice to see her in an episode that's largely at Chilton or California, strangely (laughs) enough. (laughs) Uh, It was nice to get an update on the whole she promised to go to this as part of her reparations for Mrs. Kim. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The final thing I noticed in this scene, and it's true for the rest of the episode, Lorelai has very curly hair in a different uh-huh. way than normal. I didn't notice that, but I did notice her makeup looked so good in this episode. Like, her skin just mm. looked flawless. I'll actually, on the same thread, the next scene is, like, the next day or so, and it's the morning at home, and I've nominated Lorelai's outfit for my Lorelai's closet. Going along with what you're saying, like, she just looks so, so good this whole episode. I guess because it was one day. It was a really good day for her. <laughs> and she's just paired this cardigan with a nice little dress. And the dress is like a cheetah print, but it's subtle. And the way that she has this nice like sweater on that kind of has like a flower or vine sort of pattern on the front. I like I personally wouldn't have thought to pair mm-hmm. them, but they just go so well and she just looks super great. Yeah. 
I agree. I almost made that my Lorelai's closet, but there were a couple things later on. <laughs> um, but in this scene at home, Lorelai's like tiptoeing down the stairs trying to be super quiet because she thinks Rory is still sleeping. Uh, but Rory has been awake for seemingly hours studying if she ever <laughs> went to sleep. And I liked this kind of physical comedy of Rory coming out of her room and Lorelai just freaking out. <laughs> I'm so jumpy. I'm that's how I yeah. am when my partner just walks around a corner or anything like that. I I've been there a thousand times. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm just like when I'm just in my head, I'm like so in my head. <laughs> I'm not always fully aware of everything around me, so mm-hmm. movement can cause that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but Rory has a whole system for studying for her last final. She has like three different subjects lined up on the table that she bounces between whenever she gets kind of bored or can't focus on one. She'll move to the next and back and forth, which to me indicates that she needs to stop studying. <laughs> her mind is like... <laughs> pulled to the limit because this isn't something that's like a a normal attribute for her like having to bounce between tasks if it was normal for her that would be totally fine but she's usually like a focus on one task at a time kind of person so the fact that she can't do that anymore is worrisome (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but Lorelai also seems to agree that Rory is taking things too far putting too much pressure on herself Yeah. Finals is such a hard time, Mm -hmm. though, as a student. Even if, yeah, you can just easily overdo it out of fear, Mm -hmm. you know? I She's not even in college yet, so. Uh, But I guess prep school, like we said, is a different thing, perhaps. Um, But speaking of college, we also get a clue that they haven't heard from Yale financial aid quite yet. And it will not take long for this foreshadowing to pay off. (laughs) But before that, we have a scene with Luke, which starts in a humorous way. He's outside pantomiming at (laughs) Lorelai, trying to get her attention and not get Rory's attention, asking her to come outside. And Lorelai complies. And this is when we get the news from Luke that Jess is gone. Lorelai seems like she says she's sorry and Luke is at first acting like he doesn't care. He's kind of angry and saying good riddance essentially Mm -hmm. but you can tell Lorelai senses what he's actually feeling and that does come out when he kind of walks away but then sits down on the porch and says I failed him and then kind of just leaves after that and it was really... It was sad. It really was. It was heartbreaking. But I think Lorelai gave a good response to this. She said that Mm -hmm. Luke gave him um, a chance, but it was up to Jess to take the chance. And if he didn't, there's nothing more he could do. I thought that was great feedback, kind of. And it really, again, it just reminds me of how far she's come with, like, respecting Luke's parenting, kind of, since he since Jess first arrived. Yeah, it was just a sad scene, though. I did have mm-hmm. my Stars Hollow moment when Luke was peering through the window being a super creep, <laughs> just because I couldn't really 
there wasn't much else in this episode that really spoke to me about Stars Hollow, so I yeah. picked that because it was like a small town kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I couldn't find anything in particular, so... I also liked that when they were having that conversation, they were using the porch set that they don't always Mm -hmm. use. And you can see the garden, I mean the yard, and all that nice wisteria and the hoopah in the back. Like, I don't know. They really went all out for the scene in terms of the setting. It was really lovely to look at. I love the wisteria. I wish I I had, like, someday I want to have a house with wisteria (laughs) along the porch. It's so pretty. Retweet. (laughs) Uh, Lorelai asks also before the scene is over, do you have any idea where he went? And Luke says, yeah, I have a pretty good idea. And he doesn't say. I thought that would have been a perfect moment for the scene to then transition Mm -hmm. to California because it's like the logic is in the dialogue. I have an idea where he is. Cut to where it just is, you know. And they almost do that. There's a small, small scene in between where Lorelai goes back in and then decides not to tell Rory because she's so stressed. Like, um, so they and then they cut to California after that. But that could have been a moment where they cut to California mm-hmm. and potentially could have done like the whole episode there or larger chunks, perhaps. But we can talk a bit about the structure overall, maybe at the very mm-hmm. end. Um, but I do before we go on, want to ask, what do you think of Lorelai's decision to? not tell Rory until later about the Jess of it all. I don't know. Like, part of me wants to say she definitely should have told her Rory has a right to know all that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think that Lorelai did make the right choice because Rory didn't seem to be in any sort of mental state to handle it. So, like, I most of the time I would say, like, don't keep secrets. (laughs) But (laughs) at some, some points, you know, you... You got to think about like how somebody's actually able to receive something or not. So I think it would have totally, Rory would have been stoic about it, but it probably would have sent her into a bit of a spiral. So, I mean, she finds out soon anyways, but still. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And though it might seem like it's a while because it's from the start to the end of the episode. She does find out like a mm-hmm. day later. Yeah. So yeah, Lorelai doesn't hold this in for very long. And it's kind of Luke is the one who gives <laughs> yeah. it away in the end. That was a funny moment. Which we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, our next scene uh, in Stars Hollow is Lorelai returning home from work, I'm assuming, somewhere. And she checks the mail. And there is a letter in there that must be from the financial aid office at Yale. Um, This is my Stars Hollow moment, or it's not my Stars Hollow, my my Friday night dinner uh, critique for a couple reasons. Well, this is my critique too. (laughs) Why did you pick it? Well, I found like it difficult to critique anything else in the episode. So, but I do like, I do think this is something good to critique, which is that, um, I just felt like it was a storyline that was very under researched mm-hmm. that like how does Yale know about the money it Rory would have done like FAFSA earlier in the year or also like Lorelai it wouldn't have been on her taxes like um so it, 
like I think it's fine ultimately that this is like a fictional show that's not about like financial aid right so of course I don't think the burden is that high for them to get it perfectly right uh but that said like this is their they're using this as like the central conflict of the final mm-hmm. episodes of the season so like you could make it a bit more airtight since it's so important it's not just some random small plot line and you know episode like 12 or something you know so that's how I felt about it how about you yeah I agree like one of my part of my critique was just the the fact that I mean I guess Yale is a private university so it's different than a public university but still the outrageous cost of higher education but then I was also just annoyed at how transparent this storyline is and like they're (laughs) not even trying and I was thinking like remembering back from my FAFSA stuff as an undergrad when I still have my parents taxes and everything on there I have a feeling that Lorelai at the this point is like in a certain tax bracket that she wouldn't they wouldn't get like huge amounts of financial aid except for loans so I think Mm -hmm. that could have like they could have made that a storyline like I don't know debating whether to take out loans to pay for four years of Yale (laughs) or to ask Emily and Richard like there's still a way that they could have made it about the financial part of Yale without making it just so utterly ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) I guess loans are less sexy yeah that's true (laughs) it also like lowers the stakes of like it's either nothing Mm -hmm. or asking for a family favor when it's like oh yeah loans are very much a real thing and you can get some of the quote-unquote good loans by doing FAFSA. They could have made it, and, like, uh, if Lorelai took out the loan, she would be giving up her dream of the dragonfly because she wouldn't have been able to swing, mm, like, that with credit or whatever. That would have been And that cool. could have been, like, an interesting Rory versus Lorelai, like, who's going to be a martyr here? Or who's going to mm. go to to Richard and Emily <laughs> first. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's still. I also think that they don't consider <clears throat> that colleges do a lot of merit-based scholarships. Mm-hmm. And Rory almost certainly would have gotten scholarship money for her grades, especially if she's valedictorian. Yeah. And I've heard the word on the street is that once you're in an Ivy League, you're pretty much like covered you know like they have scholarships and stuff like that and I can't verify that but I mean it sounds quite true to me like um that since so few people go they can offer whoever needs scholarships money and whatnot so again I feel like they just chose not to look into that because I think quick little looks they would have found the reality of the situation and they either chose to ignore it or just didn't take the care Mm -hmm. so it's whatever like it is what it is we know she's gonna go to Yale like it's already kind of I don't know yeah so that's the critique you know (laughs) yeah and at this point even if we hadn't seen it before we pretty much know that somehow Friday night dinners will be reinstated (laughs) some for some reason um but yeah yeah some way somehow (laughs) the next scene we have is at Chilton and we get a couple of like little vignettes of Madeline and Louise making Mm -hmm. funny commentary this first one is them 
complaining about jean jackets and fashion and stuff. So fashion, I guess, is a big thing in this episode. Yeah, well, they're saying that they read jean jackets are out mm-hmm. and that's really upsetting. I wear a jean jacket quite often, yeah. so I don't know if it's in or out right now, but at least in 2003, they were going to be out. I definitely I had a jean jacket in high school, but it was covered with like band patches and stuff. Of course. So I don't know was. if they would have, I don't know if they would have called it fashionable. <laughs> um we also get a call from Emily. Apparently Emily's been calling Rory often to like get her to come over. And she at this point is asking Rory to come over to help her figure out something to wear for graduation. She asks Rory to find out what the other grandparents will be wearing, which is not a fruitful task for Rory. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) Rory agrees to go over and help her find out some fashion. Right. Because Louise's response is that her grandma will hopefully be wearing the pearls that she's going to leave her when she dies, (laughs) I believe. (laughs) So crass. (laughs) Yeah. But I liked that they gave Madeline and Louise some moments Mm -hmm. in the episode because, you know... We are kind of on a countdown of how much more time we have with them, which is true. Sad. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and Lorelai is also at Chilton. This is a kind of like seniors fair where they're like signing up for stuff. It's related to graduation and yearbooks, things like that. And Lorelai is working the yacht event. So, you know, she's still locked into that booster club thing. And she's working it with Paris and she's on the phone with Rory, ironically telling her, don't be intimidated by Paris as Paris walks up and proceeds to intimidate Lorelai <laughs> entirely. It was quite funny. And Lorelai ends it with like, run to Rory <laughs> because Rory's trying to leave without getting caught by Paris. Um, and she succeeds, but Lorelai is like frantically looking for a list in her purse as the scene closes like please tell me I didn't leave it at home love some good Paris intimidation yeah it was fun <laughs> and the whole time Lorelai was trying to like uh redirect by complimenting Paris and it, it your hair is not the shiny. that's not the way to go with Paris <laughs> no but I guess Lorelai doesn't know that that's true <laughs> yeah somehow <laughs> So the next scene we get is at the Gilmore's where we meet Miss Celine, who shows up later. Is it before like the vow renewal uh, episode? Uh, sometime yes. later in the, the series. Does she come for Lorelai's wedding too? Oh, maybe. No, that's in the revival. I, Wait, no. I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, we see Miss Celine again, mm-hmm. which is fantastic because she is a delightful character. And I had to Google it. I did not like, I was like, is this Alex Borstein? Yeah. <laughs> like, she's so unrecognizable. Yeah, I had to check it's incredible. They, must, they did like some sort of aging or like prosthetic yeah. work or something. But she was also but just it's so, so good. good, though. Yeah. It's like, she just looks like a real person with a real face. Yeah. How did they do I know, because <laughs> you see aging these days. Like like in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel show, the aging was just like uh-huh. obvious. <laughs> it was very, yeah, I could tell. But um, she's great. <laughs> and she's like doing a voice mm-hmm. for Miss Celine too. So it's definitely not the Susie voice that she does, which is kind of just her voice, I think, in a certain way uh, for Maisel. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 
she's lovely <laughs> yeah she like compares rory to audrey hepburn that's kind of her whole like shtick throughout the whole every t- every time she's there she's uh name dropping all these famous actors mostly from like the kind of golden age of hollywood like the mm-hmm. 50s and stuff so not necessarily recent people like i mean audrey hepburn hepburn was old at this point <laughs> she's talking about like jimmy stewart and stuff and he was in like the movies in the 40s and 50s and um but she's hel- she's there to help emily find an outfit and the dress we see Emily in in the beginning is really pretty. Not a graduation attendance outfit, I think. It was like a mm-hmm. black kind of like lacy dress, like with the nude sheath underneath or something. I don't know. It was very nice, but not graduation mm-hmm. attire. <laughs> yeah, it's like black tie yeah. event, whereas graduation could be like cocktail or even slightly yeah. less. <laughs> formal so I don't know like I was trying to understand this like this storyline the whole Mm -hmm. Rory going to help her pick out a dress because then in the end Rory doesn't really help her that much yeah she's got a whole stylist why does she need Rory (laughs) yeah like I thought she just wanted to see Mm -hmm. Rory but they know I don't know (laughs) it's fine in the end because Miss Celine is there that I don't really want to question Mm -hmm. she's fun enough and of yeah it is fun um and we don't learn what emily will wear though she does get good advice that she should wear try on the red because she's going to be near Mm -hmm. green grass so she can't wear green makes sense i guess and she has some other wisdom throughout the episode as well (laughs) my lorelei's closet is the the wisdom she gives at the end of this scene which is Never ast- and uh, never underestimate the power of a good shirt. <laughs> and she had just like handed Richard off a silk shirt to wear with linen stuff. And I found it hilarious also because Rory was like very like attempting to be polite, but also very confused <laughs> by this whole mm-hmm. this tip. So I just liked it. It was very funny to me. Also, I'd hope that you have a shirt on or something so you know basic advice (laughs) well it's a good shirt not just that's true that's true (laughs) and I guess a shirt can like make or break an outfit or even just like Mm -hmm. comfort level I also like as she advises Rory about fashion for Yale and things like that she talks about the first place you start is a hat Mm -hmm. which is very ASP like everyone knows (laughs) Amy Sherman Palladino has a thing for hats. So this felt very much like, oh, yeah, of course you start with the yeah. hat. <laughs> hats are like not, I don't know, people don't wear hats, you know, the same it's true. consistency as they once did. So it's, I don't know if it's the most current advice anymore. <laughs> no, which I think is part of the charm of Miscellane is how like, As Lorelai says when she arrives in this next scene, like, she was a thousand years old when I was in high school, and she, like, how is she still alive? So, yeah, she's, like, delighted but dated Mm -hmm. in a way. (laughs) And she calls Lorelai Natalie Wood, which comes up again when she's back, and it's a fun little thing that they have a camaraderie together, especially because, in contrast, Emily is, like, 
absolutely icing out Lorelai, even though Lorelai is like doing her best to just chat with her and be friendly. And Emily is just trying to avoid having Lorelai stay for dinner. (laughs) And she attempts to lie her way out of this. And within this lie cover up is my Rory's bookshelf because You know, she says, we're going to have dinner, but it's quick because then Richard and I have plans. And Lorelai's like, what plans and where? And so she answers where and then like, what are you doing? Oh, book club. Oh, what book? And Emily's pretty quick on her feet and says, lovely bones, (laughs) um, which was a novel that came out like a year or two before the season when I looked it up. And it caught my eye because I didn't realize the book was out that early but I think I was thinking of the movie which comes out later in like 2009 but I just remember being so disturbed Mm -hmm. by that movie trailer whenever it would come on like I would try to avoid watching it and I looked up the plot of the book for today and I don't even want to repeat it because it's even worse than I thought (laughs) so I'm not gonna do any of that but um the other component that I want to mention here is that we were recently talking about pop culture in the revival with women of questionable morals pod and we talked about how a lot of that pop culture is often it just felt like superficial or like a claim for currency and so I thought this was interesting because this would have been a contemporary reference at the Mm -hmm. time Um, but it doesn't feel random like a lot of them do in the revival because it's like oh yeah it makes sense that Emily would be recalling something a recent book that she saw like at the library or at a bookstore or on the news, you know, like, oh yeah, that uh, Lovely Bones book. So that's just all of that I have to say. And I just, that movie really freaks me out and I never want to think about it again. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I haven't seen it. The trailers were bad It was pretty clear that Emily didn't know what it was about either. (laughs) It doesn't seem like an (laughs) Emily type of book. Um, I haven't read the book, but I did see the movie not knowing what it was about. When I was probably like 19 or something. And mm. I still, I remember it clearly. <laughs> but yeah, it is a very, it's like a crime book. Um, very disturbing. Yeah. But Emily is ultimately caught in her lie when Richard comes down and says, Lorelai does a good trick. She says, hey, can Rory stay for dinner? And Richard says, oh, yeah, we don't have any plans. That will be a great way to spice up like a boring night. And Lorelai just looks at Emily and is angry, understandably, and says, you know, um, she compliments her acting, basically, and storms out. Yeah, I liked uh, what Rory said as they were leaving. Emily, like, Lorelai storms out and then Rory comes back to get her stuff and Emily starts to complain about Lorelai. So both of them were putting Rory in the middle of their fight. And Rory had first been mad at Lorelai for putting her, for like using Rory to catch Emily out in this whole scene. And then when Emily starts to complain about Lorelai, Rory says, I think you're being really stupid and leaves. And that's like Mm. the first time she's ever said that to Emily or like been like that I thought it was a good wake-up call and I think that it might have actually made a a difference 
hopefully. <laughs> yeah. That line was by Just Sassy Cash because it was such like a mic drop mm-hmm. kind of line and does signal Rory like really standing up for what she believes in this fight, you know, of like, yeah, her own opinion about things. Yeah. I, I just like, I found it really interesting, like the level to which Emily would go to avoid seeing Lorelai because we've just seen multiple times her desperate like to keep them in their lives and how you know the Friday night dinners were the way of doing that but then here you have Lorelai like actively making a connection like maybe she most likely would have stayed for dinner if Emily had asked maybe maybe not I don't know but she was still trying to talk to her and see her and it's like is it Emily's pride mm-hmm. preventing her from just like accepting this and being happy about it? I feel like yes, yeah. maybe. Like, do you think it's pride or anything else? Yeah, I was thinking it was pride. Like she's just doing this out of spite. If she can't be happy, nobody can be happy, kind of. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's like missing yeah. the opportunity to actually be happy and get what she wants as part of the uh consequences of being so spiteful about the whole thing. Which I think is why what Rory yeah. says is so, like, biting because it's so true. Yeah. I hope it's a wake-up call, right? And her mouth is, like, gaping. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, an actual, like, the emoji with the mouth wide yeah. open. She's shocked. It was good. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast with a few fashion tips from world-renowned fashion consultant, Miss Celine. People say there are two sure things in life, death and taxes. But Miss Celine says you can't have life without fashion. After all, what's a funeral without the timeless fashion of mourning widows, decked in swaths of black organza, and draped in veils of black lace? What are taxes, if not opportunities to write off those dresses you purchased for that work event back in October? Now, if you would like to dress like Audrey Hepburn or Natalie Wood, Miss Celine is the only fashion consultant to turn to. After all, she styled them both among many, many others. If you can't afford the exorbitant prices of hiring a personal stylist, Miss Celine has prepared a couple time-worn tips to help you look like a Hollywood icon. First and foremost, start with a good hat. Remember, it's the first thing that God sees when you step outside in the morning. Next, take into consideration your event. For example, if you are attending a casual prep school graduation, you know, with folding chairs and grass, then you must not wear green. Instead, wear red. Red goes wonderfully with nature. And finally, never underestimate the power of a good shirt. There was one scene before we move on to the next scene that we kind of, that we skipped with uh, Paris. Um, oh, yeah, my bad. That's okay. <laughs> I just wanted to, it's not like a huge scene, but I just wanted to bring it up because it was a nice little Lorelai in Paris moment. It's a huge scene to me, actually. It was my gazebo oh, no. moment. <laughs> well, Lorelai is, and Paris are there selling tickets at the grad event and nobody's coming. So Paris tells Lorelai to unbutton her top because sex sells, <laughs> which Lorelai <laughs> obviously doesn't do. And then She's like, stop looking yeah. at my boobs. <laughs> she she suggests that they just talk, which is great, and mm-hmm. asks Paris about her colleges. Paris was accepted to 
Columbia, Yale, and Princeton, I think. And mm-hmm. she's been going back and forth because she doesn't, like, she wouldn't go to uh, Columbia because of her mom. She doesn't want to go to Princeton because of Jamie. And Lorelai gave, gives her great advice to decide what you want and do what you want and without everybody else like having a big impact on her decision which was good I think yeah and she ends the scene with a hug (laughs) and Paris is so stiff like what's happening and Lorelai tells her to unclench her (laughs) fist so like she doesn't even ask for Paris to like extend her arms and hug her back but just like she's got these fists so she does unclench her fist I thought it was really sweet and I made it my gazebo moment because uh, we don't see that many scenes, at least to this point, between Lorelai and Paris. And I just felt like it was nice of Lorelai to extend the sort of heart to heart and give her a sort of parental advice Mm -hmm. of sorts or, you know, guardian or just like we know Paris doesn't really have that relationship in her own life. And so I just found it really touching and makes me think of the revival yeah. and Paris says like this woman was like a second mother to me and it's played like a joke because Laura's like they're like you were and Luke says how much time did you spend with this girl and it's like funny but also sad you know that like oh yeah they didn't spend that much time together but it still made such an impact on Paris because of how devoid her life is which is sad besides Nanny Soledad I think was her name I think she says that in the revival yeah maybe. Yeah, that's so true. I hope I got that right, yeah. I also liked this... So yeah, I thought it was just really touching. (laughs) I also liked this advice because it was kind of reminiscent of what Lorelai told Rory when Rory was deciding, like, don't don't let too much else weigh into your choice. Just pick the one that feels right. And that's a good advice, especially for something, like, as impactful as where you're going to spend the next four years of your life, so... Mm Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, like, what would her life have been like if she went to Princeton Mm -hmm. or Columbia? Yeah. I don't know, but I'm glad she goes to Yale because we love Paris. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think there are any, like, would she find the the equivalent of Asher Fleming elsewhere? (laughs) Or Doyle? (laughs) Or would she have stayed with Jamie if she went to Princeton? I think that the equivalent of Asher Fleming I don't think is in short supply in higher education unfortunately sadly (laughs) so I think she would have found that I don't know about Doyle he's kind of a one of a kind so Mm -hmm. agreed (laughs) anyways back to the uh post Gilmore house stuff uh Mm -hmm. Lorelai and Rory are driving back home they're stopped at Taylor's stop sign stoplight which apparently is a very long stoplight and Lorelai refuses to to run it because she already has tickets and it's Mm -hmm. at this point when Rory looks out of the window and sees Luke sweeping out in front of the diner totally normal and then he looks up sees Rory and bolts inside it was hilarious (laughs) uh which is obviously yeah it's obviously not the uh reaction Rory was expecting like if anything Luke would have normally just waved or even come over so uh, it prompts her to ask why Luke is running away from her and then Lorelai kind of sucks it up and tells her Jess is gone I did really appreciate that Lorelai didn't beat 
beat around the bush for once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She just said it straight out. And um, also that Luke doesn't think that Jess is coming back. And Rory kind of sadly agrees she doesn't think he's coming back either. Yeah. So it was a sad scene. Uh, Rory, of course, tries not to be emotional about it. But you can tell she's heartbroken. And in a way, it feels like she seems resigned Mm -hmm. to like this doesn't seem like something that has shocked her. It seems like something that's like confirming what she has sensed already. And I just feel I feel bad for her. And it's like such a well, like what a shitty way for a relationship Mm -hmm. to end, you know, because it wasn't officially ended. Neither of them communicated about this and it's just so it's like he really majorly ghosted her before that was even like a cultural thing and before like you know all the apps and whatnot and to be ghosted like that after what like a fairly serious relationship for teenagers Mm -hmm. I mean that's just so I want to say like heartless but I know just has heart and but it's, I don't know, like, it's just such a shitty way yeah. for it to end. Yeah, and also, like, their last big interaction, I mean, they had that bus scene, but before that, mm-hmm. the last interaction was at the party. So yeah. it's got all sorts of connotations and everything. Yeah, Absolutely. it's just sad. If any, well, if any relationship needed closure, it was this one. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see, like, there will be a few scenes later on that will kind of demonstrate the repercussions of the relationship ending mm-hmm. in this way. So we'll look forward to that. But it, it it is really interesting to think about, like, if that show in California had been picked up, like, what would have happened yeah. then? Like, would they have done crossover yeah. episodes where we get a more final thing? Would Jess have been, like dating someone else like I would imagine because any kind of teen show has to have (laughs) relationships you know it's like a central thing of tv so yeah yeah. we wouldn't have gotten the dress that happens later in the series and I don't necessarily trust that he would have gotten the same sort of like character growth if he had been the main character (laughs) of a show Mm -hmm. just based off of the track record (laughs) Yeah, but we can talk about that a little bit more once we turn to California. But for now, as they drive away, finally, a policeman does appear (laughs) after Lorelai chooses to run the light like she was afraid of, which was a fun little joke to follow up the serious conversation. And then we also get a sweet moment later once they get home as well. Lorelai is going through Rory's yearbook reading out some of the funnier like um notes to Rory someone thought she was in Pacific South Pacific a musical even though she wasn't things like that but then Lorelai like goes quiet and she has a smile on her face and you don't quite know what she's read and then she walks to the kitchen to ask Rory like a lot of these are saying that you're valedictorian Mm -hmm. and it's really sweet and she's so proud of her and makes Rory like stop for a moment and actually like appreciate the magnitude of that and talks about how she can be stressed now, she can be busy now, but they'll celebrate later on. 
And I just found that to be such a heartwarming thing, especially I am also someone who loves academic validation. (laughs) (laughs) As much as I hate to admit it, I love that kind of stuff. So like I can appreciate, I know like what, how it would feel to be valedictorian. Mm -hmm. Not that I was, but like I can picture it. So I'm just like, that's like a very high honor for someone like Rory. Like I'm sure it means a lot to her. Yeah. I also loved the that Lorelai made her stop to acknowledge it because it is so easy, mm-hmm. especially in like what Rory's going through at the moment to just see it as another obstacle in a way, like another task that has to be done and not really appreciate it. Yeah. So that was Which nice. is what she says at first. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, another speech like to write. <laughs> yeah, but it's really something uh, very, especially since she started there late, she had to catch up and everything. Yeah, she's come so far. I wonder like how Paris felt about not being valedictorian. I almost think it would have been good for them to like tie (laughs) because then it would kind of bring up some of the like they had to do the speech together. They've been president and vice president. Like they're always kind of like head to head on a lot of these things. And I just feel like at a certain point, in my like for example in my high school there was like a group of us who all did like honors and AP and we almost had like identical Mm -hmm. stellar GPAs you know so we didn't even have a valedictorian someone just like it was a speech contest essentially for whoever got to talk and that's just to say like I feel like Chilton of all places probably had so many people with like 4.0s or not above like Mm -hmm. above maybe if they do weighted grades so Anyway, it just could have been cool if they were co-valedictorians and they were like kind of annoyed by it. But then in the end, we're like, oh, we've been th- through this together, you know, and like could have been yeah. a thing. But yeah, at the very least, it doesn't make sense for Paris to go quietly, <laughs> not being the valedictorian. Yeah, go quietly into <laughs> yeah. the night. Well, like maybe her grades slipped up in the end. Oh, yeah, with the like, Jamie stuff. With the Jamie yeah. stuff or all the school that she missed. Like she made up that work, but maybe... Her attendance like cost mm-hmm. her being valedictorian, something like yeah, that. True. So like I don't necessarily mind that she's not valedictorian, but yeah, it could have it could have been worked yeah. in. <laughs> okay, should we follow Jess around now? Let's take a long, long bus ride yeah. to Venice Beach, California. That would be so long. <laughs> I can't imagine that'd be like a week yeah. on the bus. I would. Hate that would that. be so miserable. <laughs> he shows up to the beach in his black all black black leather jacket he doesn't take it off he doesn't put on sunglasses he looks very out of he place he doesn't put on sunscreen <laughs> yeah. he's gonna be so sunburnt by the end of yeah. this day he looks so out of place like his whole energy is so east coast yeah as he's like walking by all of these very californian people and when he's on the beach at the end of this walk, there's all these girls in bikinis like doing cartwheel after cartwheel behind him. And he is just in a fully zipped <laughs> up leather jacket and he stands out so much. It was, it was good. In my notes, I called him a grump in the sun. And I feel like that mm-hmm. is, he, uh, he belongs in New York City. <laughs> yeah. But when he is on the beach... A, a Beach Boy song starts to play, mm-hmm. which was very on the nose, but I liked it. And I also felt like Jess was getting some sort of main character yeah. camera work as well, where I would 
really guess this could have been some of the film, the footage they did for the pilot because it has that feeling where the camera is like behind him. He's in the middle looking out at the sea and then it kind of moves around to the side, to the front. And it was nice. Mm -hmm. It was very artistic and like makes you think like what's going on inside his mind as he stares off into the distance. (laughs) Stares at the ocean. (laughs) And girls are doing cartwheels. They should have given those extras like, okay, do a cartwheel and then do something. Yeah, instead of and just doing do the same thing over but and over. But it was like and back and back and yeah. back. <laughs> uh, and then... Anyway. So <laughs> after he stands on the beach looking awkward, he walks up to a house, which is like... I think it looks cool. I'm not... I've only been to California a few times, so I really can't attest to how California this house is. But it's like full of greenery all around. It's kind of eclectic. There's like plenty of lawn furniture, other stuff in the yard. It seems kind of like an artsy type of place. And Mm -hmm. a little hippie maybe. A bunch of dogs come up (laughs) um, (laughs) and just start barking at him as he's trying to uh, yell and find somebody in the house. And then there's a woman on the roof And I gave her my Rory's bookshelf. This is Sherilyn Fenn, who we see later in Gilmore Girls as Anna. Nardini. April's mom. She's my Rory's bookshelf, though, because she was in Twin Peaks along with uh, Sherry. Mm -hmm. I always forget her Imagine Almec. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah, they were both in Twin Peaks together. Um. This actress played Audrey, who is such an, like a super interesting character on Twin Peaks. She like kind of attempts to seduce <laughs> the detective guy. I don't know if you haven't seen Twin Peaks, you definitely should. It's great. But I just I still need I, to I see love it. that show, and I also love that there's like kind of a leg a Twin Peaks legacy in Gilmore Girls now, mm-hmm. and it's also very clear yeah. that. They really liked this actress because they brought her back for another role later on. Though I I like her in this role yeah. much better. She has a lot more like good dialogue, quips and stuff. I also really like her blonde pixie cut. I think it's very cute. I didn't know how I felt about the hair. <laughs> it is a look for sure. <laughs> yeah. It looks a little too like like they just bleached it for the role or something but hey it could be a wig as well I don't know there's something slightly off about it to me but and that could be why they had the bandana Mm -hmm. on her for so long like she did but I actually am surprised that you didn't have a Roy's bookshelf for some of these dogs which is named Frodo (laughs) Frodo another is Legolas so, I thought about it. Fun. Um, I couldn't catch all the names because she has a yeah. lot of dogs. I thought about it and I otherwise would have. But I mean, at just mm-hmm. a couple episodes, I made a Lord of the Rings Rory's bookshelf. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to space it out. Well, I think like, I think Anna, like a lot of the other people we see here, is very like California-y. I, they, I think they did a good job of making it all feel more distinct and like more colorful and like breezy and I think laid back maybe we're supposed to think stuff like that but I actually decided to put a little spin on things mm-hmm. because we we're barreling stars hollow this episode I decided to ha- nominate a Venice Beach oh, nice. moment <laughs> <Got it. laughs> rather than stars hollow And it goes to their house Mm -hmm. because, you know, 
Jess passes the test and she lets him enter and she says, Jimmy's not here, but I'll see if I can get a hold of him. And while she's doing that, Jess is walking around the house and I just felt like they did so well with the inside of the house, like the setting, the scene design. It was so just detailed. There's so many little knickknacks and I just felt like the colors of the walls, like everything. It felt like a very real place and I could have seen them having a show with that as one of the central sets. And then I also like then he goes into another room that has all of these records and books and there's even a table where like someone's been painting. I think we're supposed to imply that's what that's like Jimmy's room, Mm -hmm. right? And so it was also nice because that was kind of the first moment I think just like identified with him beyond just like oh, he looks like me and is bad at communicating his feelings. And there's like guitar music in the background. It's very sentimental. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there are like pictures also of this hot dog stand that we'll get to in a minute. Kind of, Mm. there's a lot of exposition done just throughout the the setting here. Like kind of giving you the backstory for Jimmy. We also see um, a... young girl reading in the closet her name is lily i believe and we don't get really anything from her except that she likes to read in hiding places (laughs) i love i agree i used to do that when i was a kid (laughs) yeah i just think that is so cute and i feel like i could have seen those two like bonding as half siblings in the show and her I don't know. It's just like Jess is kind of like startled by her and maybe thinks her behavior is a little weird. But it's also like that's so similar to what Mm -hmm. Jess does, too. You know, just like goes off and reads somewhere. So I thought she looked really cute. She kind of looked like Abigail Breslin in the like that one movie she's in when she's a kid. But anyway, she was really cute. She had like the glasses, you know, stuff like that. Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking of Little Miss Sunshine. I don't think it's actually that good of a comparison, but I thought yeah. of her for some reason. Yeah, they have similar <laughs> facial features. I think that's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, I, I also, I love this setting. And then it becomes more clear that uh, Sasha did not know anything about Jimmy going out to visit Jess, and it becomes super clear Jess mm-hmm. doesn't know a single thing about Jimmy. Um, yeah. As Sasha is, like, trying to kind of ask him questions about why he's there, uh, anything. Jess doesn't have an answer for pretty much anything, which we'll find out Sasha is kind of like, not necessarily suspicious about, but she has a lot of concerns kind of about what why Jess is there. Not that she's unwelcoming. She's just but... like, she's just thinking about the situation critically. Mm, yeah. <laughs> which like not... No one else seems to be yeah. doing <laughs> yet. Yeah. She leads him around the boardwalk um, and straight to this uh, hot dog stand that we just saw pictures of called Dante's Inferno. I almost made that it's my fun name. Uh, Rory's bookshelf mm-hmm. because I was trying to like puzzle out why exactly you'd want your hot dog stand named after Dante's Inferno, which is hell. I think it must have something to do yeah. with the coloring and also hot dogs. I don't know. Just kind of. It's yeah. hot like hell or like what level of hell, which level of yeah. inferno are you in? 
when you're eating yeah, a hot dog. Yeah, maybe it's like different <laughs> spice levels or something. Um, but Jimmy is super surprised. Sasha takes off and then Jimmy comes out to to talk to Jess and he gets my Jess sass attack here where he tell, says he's going to show Jess the sights and he stands there and stares out and he says, ocean, sand, sky. <laughs> I loved it. It was like, wow, Captain Obvious. <laughs> that is some Jess energy yeah. as they, well. He was cast so well. Like they, they talk super similarly. They just have a, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily look physically similar, but they have a similar aura, if I can use that term. Yeah, totally. Totally. I feel like that's clear in this conversation mm-hmm. because later on, I think Jimmy calls him Mr. Double Talk. And I thought like finally someone has called out the like habit he and then Rory too sometimes have of just double talking, mm-hmm. like not actually talking about the real thing. And that's exactly what they're doing here because Jimmy's like describing everything. And then Jess asks like, oh, where else have you lived? And he talks and talks and then finally gets around to saying, New York Mm -hmm. dot 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 and that's like the closest they get in this conversation to something personal but they don't even go there yet Jess is just like I'm not here to bust your balls which is such a guy to guy kind of (laughs) statement and then Jimmy's called over into work and Jess decides to stay and he's sitting and reading just out in broad daylight that's when I was thinking about his sunburn um yeah, but it's kind of, it was such an interesting interaction because, first of all, it was an interaction, mm-hmm. unlike last time. Like, they do actually talk. They're, like, similar in their auras, as you said. And they, I don't know, it's like, well, they're not fighting. They're not, like, super getting along. It's not emotional, but it's kind of friendly. It's definitely awkward. Like, I guess it's kind of what I would yeah. expect them to do in their first meeting so I don't know how do you feel about it I agree it was like everything they were saying a lot for them without saying anything (laughs) and it was all like the words meant nothing really but everything else was just loaded Mm. and I don't know yeah it was a an interesting conversation if you could call it that yeah but I if again, if this were a show, I have a feeling that they would have had a really interesting dynamic, and I yeah. would have liked to see more of that. I think I want to know what Jess was reading on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> From here, it seems like Jimmy finishes out the workday, and then they head home back to Sasha's place. When they get there, Lily is still in the cabinet, <laughs> which was cute, and he like asks her what pizza topping she wants so it's cute that like her and Jimmy Mm -hmm. get along well even you know she's Sasha's daughter um and Jimmy overhears Sasha in the kitchen very like angrily kind of banging pots and whatnot so he implies like I might need a minute or two or three (laughs) or five and just just says like I'll go to the bookstore I pass by, like, I'll give you some space, which is such a just thing to do, like, to go to a bookstore. But I think it was wise of him to kind of, like, clear out to let them have the privacy of this conversation, which is, you know, more like an argument, which I think is fair since she had no warning about this whatsoever. Yeah, it becomes clear that, like, 
Jimmy had said he was going to Sacramento for business stuff when he was actually going out to visit Jess. And then Sasha starts asking him like these very important questions like, why is Jess here? What if he's in trouble? Like, what if he's on the run from the police or something? We need to know why he's here. He can't just pop up with no explanation whatsoever. And she, she might be the most, like, clear communicator that we've ever encountered on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> she also tells <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> that the way he's been treating her without telling her what's going on makes them more like roommates than partners. And Jimmy takes this pretty seriously. This conversation inspires Jimmy to go looking for Jess. So we pick up in a bookstore from here and Jimmy arrives seeing seeming worried and he's like I've gone to three different bookstores and he's actually sounding like a dad at this point like he's stressed out and worried and whatnot and that was the first we've seen of him in a semi-dad mode with Jess which was interesting especially because in the next in this like ensuing conversation he's essentially like saying he can't be a dad but I mean we'll get to that in a bit um so they start out talking And it's clear that this is going to be, like, a real conversation, you know, like, why are you here? You just showed up. And Jess is like, oh, just like you, (laughs) you just showed up. And, like, why did you come and not say anything? And Jimmy says he chickened out, which is, like, what we had been questioning as well last week. Like, did he have something prepared and then lost it? And Jess says, like, oh, to that. And I think he actually kind of gets that. Like, Jess himself could be in the same boat. And so I liked that he was kind of on the same page with him there. Um, But then they hit, like, a rocky turn when Jess says he wants to crash there for a while. And Jimmy is, like, incredibly hesitant about that. And he is resistant to it as well. And... He says some things that are, like, I would imagine pretty tough to hear. And he, like, point blank says Jess can't stay there. Like, he's not a father. And um, he can't take care of someone. He can barely take care of himself. He can't raise him. And Jess counters this by saying, like, I am already raised. You know, I'm 18. I don't need a daddy, as he says. But Jimmy is so worried. He's saying, like, I'm a screw up. Like, I don't want you to be around me. I don't have anything to offer. Like, he's afraid, like, the quote-unquote loser life is, like, contagious or something or would, like, rub off on Jess. And after Jimmy says he has nothing to offer, then Jess says, like, he breaks off into, like, a really, like, emotional, vulnerable sort of speech where he starts out by saying, I've got nothing. Um, And he's got nothing. And, you know, he finally admits a lot of stuff, like, He's not graduating high school. He feels like he's on the path to being a loser. All of this stuff, like he has nowhere to go. And it seems like a lot of the stuff he'd been in denial about in Stars Hollow that now he's like forced to like reckon with a little bit. And this kind of convinces Jimmy that he'll talk to Sasha and ask. And it ends with a sort of funny joke where just says, tell her I'm a dog, (laughs) referring to the fact that she accepts all of these stray animals to care for them. So, like, maybe she'll care for Jess if he's a dog. But I think she would care for him as a human as well. But 
I was kind of a, a, a Spark Notes version. Um, did I leave anything out or what did you notice from this conversation? Um, I don't think you left anything out, but I did want to say my gazebo moment was when Jess like broke down with his I have nothing. Mm-hmm. It, he, The acting was like so good. The emotion was so raw in that. It was just like really yeah. a finally finally like all of the pent-up emotion that we've been talking about all these episodes came out and I really liked that and just Mm -hmm. the connection that it built between the two of them which was I think more of a like vulnerable connection than we've seen Jess have with pretty much anybody definitely more than with Rory who he like doesn't really express things to Maybe with Mm -hmm. Luke, but he was still always pretty cagey with Luke. But here he's like, and I don't, I don't think it's because he feels like Jimmy is necessarily a safe, like a father to him, but more that Jimmy is like maybe on the same level as him. I kind of wonder if Mm. Jess often felt like Luke was trying to fix him, uh, which Luke kind Mm. of was, you know. Or at least, like, direct him. But Jimmy is, like, clearly stating he can't fix Jess. He has no... He can't even fix himself. So I wonder if that was part of, like, that and Jess's, like, desperation because he doesn't have anything, anywhere to go. That, like, finally allowed him to express something to somebody, which I'm sure was a big relief for him. And it was just so Mm -hmm. well acted. Yeah. Yeah, you make really great points. I agree with all of that. I do feel like the desperation is there of like, I have nowhere else to go. And maybe also just the promise of like, this could be a new place to start over. You know, you're all the way across the country now. Like this could be a new start for him, which it seems like he needs. And like a, like I think you, like a much less pressured Mm -hmm. place, like, Luke was so well-intentioned, but their relationship was one of, like, a mentor kind of bossing someone around. And also, like, he's out of Stars Hollow now, which was not such an inviting Mm -hmm. place for him as well, as we've talked about many times. Yeah, and there was, like, such a big difference. I didn't mention this earlier, but when Jess, like, got off the bus and was trying to find the house, somebody... A random person came up and offered to help him find the place. Obviously, Jess didn't accept the help, but it was just like such mm-hmm. a stark contrast from when his arrival in Stars Hollow, where everybody automatically yeah. hated him. So it really would have been like a different, completely different environment for him. It would have been really funny if he stepped off the bus in that puffer yeah, vest. <laughs> like that's just uh, his bus travel <laughs> outfit. <laughs> so sweaty. But I'm sure he was so sweaty in the leather uh-huh. also. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. (laughs) But, like, in this scene, I feel like also to touch on the acting, it's like, I think this scene really proved that he could have carried, like, a whole show. So it was also kind of, like, hats off to that element as well. Like, not that, I mean, maybe he did have something to prove, right? Um, Unfortunately, Venice Beach was too expensive, as is the alleged reason, as we discussed earlier. It was so funny to me that... She finally went to California yeah. and picked, like, an expense. That's <laughs> so funny. Could have just been on a lot somewhere, I know. you know? Like, <laughs> like Stars on. Hollow. Uh, but, yeah, but I think I would have 
I would have liked that show. I don't know. I don't know if it would have lasted as long as Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I feel like it could have been like a one or two season thing, and it probably would have. Yeah. Oh well. Alas, did you want to talk at the end about the configuration of this episode, that kind of stuff? Structure. Yeah. I feel like, for the most part, I. I could have, like, I could envision it having a different structure. Like, it could have just gone um, Stars Hollow at the front and then California in the middle and then Stars Hollow again at the end, something like that. Um, But ultimately, like, I didn't mind the back and forth so much um, since it kind of felt like a, oh, here's, like, a day between these two places and... I think I liked that better than the other one with like all the flashbacks because the flashbacks were in like very ranged wildly in time period. Whereas this like felt more contained, even if it was moving pieces a lot because it was like moving forward temporally in the same Mm -hmm. way. Um, And thematically, it wasn't necessarily, I don't know, like it kind of worked because they're like, Jess is gone. Where is he? So I don't know. Like, I think I'm fairly okay with it. How about you? Yeah, I think I'd agree. Maybe, except for, I would have, I think, as I said earlier, I think it could have totally been its own episode, but Mm -hmm. if it's going to be switching back and forth, I was thinking in the terms of like a multi POV book where you have like two points of view and they start, they're in completely different places. At some point, you expect them to have some sort of, meet up in some way or some sort Mm. of like uh interaction with each other and that's what's kind of missing like we get obviously Rory talking about Jess but and I know that I think it I think it's solved by coming in the next episode when Jess calls Rory but I think that could have he could have called yeah I think that could have been a good ending maybe like a last scene Mm -hmm. where he calls and they just have that that like interaction with each other to tie the two storylines together Um, yeah or he could call luke yeah say like i arrived and maybe luke could have like told him the like i feel like i failed you yeah maybe jess could have like said you know there's nothing else you could have done i don't know if they could go so far as to say i love you (laughs) but like it would have nice. It would have been nice to have some closure there. Or even if they don't open up to each other, he could have just been like, "I arrived. I'm mm-hmm. safe." And there could have been like silence that would like communicate what they're both thinking. I like. I really like your suggestion that like a link between the two would have made it feel much more mm-hmm. whole as like an episode. Yeah. I totally buy that. Again, they should have hired us for writers. I mean, maybe in 2003, I, I wouldn't have had this type of insight. <laughs> no and I don't know if I want to be like the first mm-hmm. writer but I want to be like the second one that comes around and can kind of like yeah. spot check or I guess kind of like an editor meets writer you know like I don't want to write the whole episode but I can come around and get yeah. a pointer of like oh you could do that I'll check for plot <laughs> holes that kind of thing I can do that mm-hmm. <laughs> hire <Totally>. us <laughs> once you once all the uh production companies have figured out a contract with the writers then mm-hmm. they can come and hire us and pay us the big Give bucks. Us a call, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. We have finished our cross-country yeah. ranging episode. 
Who was your MVP? I think I'm going to give it to Rory, interestingly enough. Mm. I don't think I've ever given her the MVP, but the reason I wanted to (laughs) is just because of her comment to Emily. (laughs) I felt like Mm -hmm. that took a lot of guts and she finally like called somebody out on something and also she's like yeah yeah she's valedictoria and all that kind of stuff i do either either rory or jess for having the guts to go all the way to california to talk to his dad but yeah Mm -hmm. who is your mvp my mvp was jess for like the whole journey he takes like that requires so much like courage and so much of like putting himself out there in a place that could either it could go really well it could go okay it could go really badly like he couldn't have known what to expect and he's in like a very vulnerable situation partly due to his own actions but he's in a pretty tricky spot of like what can he do with his life now (laughs) and um I think he handles it as well as he can like interacting with all of the family members and then I appreciate he finally has a sort of like aha moment for himself he self-reflects but then also like I don't know he like has to like beg almost his father to like let him stay which is really sad and like the fact that he stood up for himself in that way I don't know if I could have done that but it was just very emotional the acting the fact that like Milo Venta blah, 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 <laughs> could like have carried this own show is definitely a, tr- a truth that we observe so yes and you know also because he's only going to be around for I so know. much longer so this was kind of his last like full episode yeah. when you think yeah, about and, it like looking back he also didn't have that much screen time just in general in comparison with some other characters so more than Richard that's true <laughs> But less than Dean. Let's not bring Dean into this. <laughs> Otherwise, good. <Yeah>. Episode. <laughs> We've got one episode left. I can't believe we're almost done with season yeah. three. And then so ah. after we finish up our season three, we'll have our regular season recap and then some interviews for you all. And don't forget to send us. We've got some good yeah. interviews. Planned. They're going to be great. You're really going to want to tune <laughs> yeah. in. And I'm serious. <laughs> and don't forget to send us your thoughts on season three, either text mm-hmm. or voice memo to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram. Yeah. Or pigeon carrier. Yeah, I guess technically pigeon. you could. I wouldn't, I wouldn't guarantee a rival, but. <laughs> uh, all well, right. Well, talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.